franchising is all about relationships and the relationships that I've built through this network are lifelong friends. And these are people that I'm so proud to be part of their lives and that they're part of mine. Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. Well, hello there. And in this episode of Franchise You, I have with me Michelle Rowan. Michelle is the president and chief operating officer of Franchise Business Review. Now, Franchise Business Review is a research firm that helps franchise brands understand franchisee, employee, and candidate satisfaction, and thereby improving performance. But before we talk about what your company does, Michelle, let's talk about you. So you're a graduate of the University of New Hampshire, Fine University, and you give back to that great university by mentoring, by hiring interns, and I know you have a lot of affiliation there. So you've been the president and COO for 10 years and you, this is interesting, you co-owned a brewery with your husband. So you started as FBR's first employee 16 years ago with Eric Stites. It's obvious that you love this franchise world. Um, you have a certified franchise executive credential from the IFA, and you just finished a stint being the chair of the Women's Franchise Committee, which is a group focused on women in franchising through the IFA. One last accolade, you have been named a top franchise influencer a number of times. So we are very lucky to have you on this podcast. First of all, Michelle, tell us why the interest in franchising as a career. Thank you for having me today, Kathy. And so I think like most people, I will say my, uh, my introduction to franchising was accidental. I was in a job that I loved. I was managing a sales team and I was on the road a lot. And I did decided that Uh, I wanted to be back in my hometown of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, not on the road so much. I was thinking about when I wanted to start a family. So that really drove my job search, but I was in no rush and I really was very happy where I was. And I just started poking around and Eric Stites and I both went to the University of New Hampshire at separate times, but I found his job posting on the alumni network. And I just thought that seems so interesting I loved where I was at a a telecom competitor of Verizon, which was very big in the late nineties. And so I was working for them and I had the opportunity to work with lots of different small businesses on their technology needs. So I liked that aspect of my job. So when I read his posting, it talked about working with small business owners a lot. And that really stuck out to me. And before this, I was of the, hey, I know Taco Bell, I know McDonald's, that was my knowledge of franchising. But at the same time that I saw this post, my father was actually becoming a franchisee of a brand. So the timing seemed very serendipitous. And uh, so I reached out to meet him. And obviously it was a match made in heaven there still 16, 17 years later. That is pretty incredible. Okay, now you're going to take me down a route. So is your father still a franchisee? He is not. Um, And it was interesting. Now, all the knowledge I have, I can understand that. Unfortunately, he wasn't part of a great brand or system. They didn't offer a lot of support. So I won't name them on here, but I wish that I had known all the things to help him work through that due diligence as far as understanding what he was getting into. Um, But he ran it for uh, the the full franchise agreement and then retired and, and moved away, sold the business. And you know, that happens sometimes. And when we talk about what makes a little bit later, we're going to talk about what makes a great franchisor and a great franchisee. I'm sure you can pull from that as well. Did you ever consider working for a franchisor or a franchisee? So 
Um, that it, I, I, I get offered to look at those opportunities, oh, I but I, I have to say, I really found my spot when I found Eric and I found franchise business reviews. So I, I have never even seriously entertained anything else, not even just on the franchise or franchisee side. Um, so it is a, it is a fantastic business model and I'm happy to support it. And this segment of business of franchising is I'm extremely passionate about, but I honestly am just quite content with what I'm doing and what our brand is doing. And, you know, I totally understand that Michelle folks have often asked me, why haven't you become a franchisee? And while I love the model and I respect that, I belonged on the franchisor side. And now I belong, interestingly enough, I'm considered a supplier since I supply education to the franchise industry. But I think what's great about franchising is that you can work in a spot that's best for you. And you actually have have found that. So let's talk about what a typical day looks like for you at FBR. A typical day for me has changed in the last year. Um, I would say even before up until the pandemic, I really was the driving sales force. I have a fantastic team overall at FBR. We have um, one employee, Nicole, has been with us since she graduated from UNH and she really handles all of our existing customers and helps with renewals. But the new business was very squarely on my shoulders. Finding salespeople that really understood that uh, franchise business review makes sense for a lot of brands to work with and some it doesn't. So it's not a hard sell and we're not aggressive. It really is understanding us person's business and how we can help them if we can help them. And it's been something that I've struggled with finding other people to do this along with me until last year, uh, just about a year and a half ago, I hired um, Courtney Stillings, new to the franchise industry, but came from hospitality, which is where my background came from right after school as well. And then Emily George joined our team who was uh, at another supplier within franchising, but she's joined us. And since they've come on board, my days have changed and it's gotten very exciting. So I am more focused on just helping build more awareness about our brand and taking on some bigger projects around building out our employee data that we are doing and collecting within the franchise space. So my days have changed. Overall, I help all the people on my team and make sure that I'm helping get roadblocks out of their way and help them be successful and leading their goals and our business goals forward. But um, it's only because I have fantastic people supporting me on the sales side now. That's great to hear. And you know, that seems to be a common theme with any great business, right? Is you have a great team and they help you achieve what, what needs to be done. Let's transition and talk about Franchise Business Review for a little bit. When I think about FBR, you are the premier marketing research firm in franchising. You have over 1,100 clients. Can you tell us the primary purpose and services that you provide? This will go right along with your last comment of the people issue or the people blessing is everything. Whether you're a supplier, franchisor, or franchisee, it's the number one challenge that business owners are having right now is finding and keeping great people. Mm -hmm. I think what's been exciting to be part of Franchise Business Review the last 17 years is that when, when we started, it was very much educating franchisors on why they would ask for feedback from their franchisees. It really and truly was. It made them very nervous to have a third party come in and ask these questions. The transparency that the internet brought to franchise development process of candidates being able to find out what your franchisees thought of your business mm -hmm. uh, really changed the way that franchisors thought about it. And it was very much 17 years ago focused on the next franchisee we can bring into our brand. We saw a shift where people became more focused on supporting their existing owners and growth or even educating franchise owners that had come into the brand 
without a lot of business acumen. I think that franchisors are more focused on teaching franchisees good business practices more than they ever did before. And I think what we saw with the pandemic was franchisors that really understood were there for franchisees more than ever before. And I had the, I don't know if it's a luxury, but I went through the pandemic as a supplier in the franchise industry and as an independent business owner. And the difference in seeing how franchising suppliers and franchisors really stepped up to make sure that franchisees had every tool possible to keep revenue coming in, to keep their lights on, to know how they could get assistance from the federal government. Information was just coming out and changing so quickly, and it wasn't the same in every state. I was so proud to be part of franchising that really stepped up and helped all these business owners stay in business. Mm -hmm. And we saw our satisfaction scores from existing owners increase because even if they were not at their sales from pre-2020, they knew they had support that they wouldn't have had if they were on their own. And so that shift, I think, has really shown franchisors focusing on the profitability and the success of their existing owners as much or if not more than bringing the next candidate through the doors to become a franchisee. Gosh, you said a lot there that we can unpack. And so the first part, you are right about the pandemic and how it brought the power and impact of franchising to the forefront. Franchising has become even stronger through the pandemic for all the reasons you mentioned, the amount of support, even navigating all the different changes in the laws and the support that's provided by the government to signage, to food safety, for example, practices, to sanitation practices, all of that was really helped by these large franchisors. And then you also talked about something I want to go down a little road of, because I have an exercise in one of my classes that my students partake in. With the transparency of the internet, there are so many sites now, it's kind of scary that actually will allow a voice to franchisees who are unhappy. And so they post these out there. And I would imagine that's had an impact on your business because a franchisor would read that and they would think, oh my goodness, how can we address this? How can we solve for this? Do you think that's had any impact on your business? I do. And what I'll say is the internet allows the loudest person to be heard, not necessarily the rightest person. I know that that's not a word, but- 100%, um, you have to say that again, please. That is so true. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that franchisors feel that even on their internal communications and boards is that sometimes the loudest voice is seen as the truth and it's not the majority opinion or even necessarily what's happening in the space. So I think, you know, transparency is a great thing in all businesses. And if you don't have happy franchisees, you are wasting money trying to bring new ones in because they're just going to, those deals will die in validation. If you are a smart person looking to buy a franchise, you are talking to existing franchise owners. So they are going to hear things They and, and you want them to come in with realistic expectations. We get pinged by those websites that are there just for the unhappy voices to be heard because we don't share any brands that go through our survey process that don't score well. We do publish brands that score well, but we are not here to um, throw anybody under the bus. The idea is that They want to improve. They're asking for feedback. They're using it internally to make changes if they've come to us to ask these questions. And we want them to do that and feel safe that the data that we ask is confidential. But on the flip side, sharing information with candidates, the good and the unhappy comments is fantastic because you are not a franchise system with over 50 franchisees and having everyone be happy. It's just not the way that relationships work. Mm. You have ebbs and flows. It's a 
it's a hard and complicated relationship, but the idea is that even when you're not happy, are you still happy to be part of that system? Are you getting what you need to run your successful business? So franchisors immediately will say, my franchisees are making a ton of money. They're happy. And that's not always the case. And the, the highest correlated question in our data to growth in an FDD is I trust my franchisor. It comes before the financials. And so that is the partnership that you need to think about within a franchise or franchisee relationship above all else, because if they don't believe that you have their best interests in mind, they're really not going to be likely to take your advice, make your changes, do what you're asking them to do, because they're thinking they're lining their pocket, not mine. So if they believe that your intentions are good, if they're providing constructive feedback that you can use and not just blasting you for blasting sake, you have an opportunity to work on that relationship. Um, and I think that's what we focus on is that we're not trying to hide the unhappy franchisees. They are part of every system, but the questions become, what has the franchisor done to try and make this relationship better? What are you doing on your part, Mr. Franchisee or Mrs. Franchisee to help mend that relationship or move forward? Or is it a time to exit the system or talk about how we help you do that? Can you really not get over what these issues are? So I think all of it's healthy and you know, healthy, constructive conflict or conversation can get you through. But if you're not asking the questions, and I think that's the best feedback we get from franchisors is that even if they're happy, we learned something we didn't know. There was a franchisee that didn't tell us that this was going on in their heads or in their market. And so it allows them the opportunity to address it and make it right. How fascinating, but not surprising that trust is the highest correlated item to satisfaction, especially in this relationship, because franchising is a relationship and it takes both sides to be providing that open feedback. And sometimes that doesn't happen. So you're there to help with that, which is fantastic. You know, I always tell students, they'll say, what do you think is the most important piece of the FDD? And I always say it's that list of franchisees in the back because you get all their names and numbers and you can call any of them. And then I'm asked, well, will they be honest? Well, you know, Michelle, <laughs> yeah. they will be honest. Yeah. And Kathy, that's what's really interesting too is, so I have the I have the pleasure to talk to existing franchisees and they'll say something like their, their franchisor tells them only to say positive things to candidates and then call us with the, the bad things. And I said, well, that's technically not allowed that you can say whatever you'd like to say 100%. to the candidate without repercussions, but they don't know that. That's what you assume. And that's what great franchisors tell their franchisees to do. But I come across these and they say it and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. That yeah. is that's <laughs> that exactly is, right. Well, it's, yes. it's interesting. The franchisees I worked with who are some of the finest in the world, I think they would have always said exactly what they felt. And yes. felt that freedom, which is important. You should have, again, it comes down to trust, right? That you feel you can say that. It's the culture of the brand too, Kathy, that your right. brand's did not coach their franchisees to hide anything. That's just not a great business practice in general. <laughs> no, it's not because it will always be found. If you ask yes, for someone to hide something, right. it will always be found. Yes. Can you give us an example? And obviously don't name a brand, which I would never ask, but can you give us an example of a franchisor that maybe took some feedback and really turn their brand around? Oh, yes, yes. And that's the best to see. And, and equally great to see is the people that continually get high scores, but are always looking for those areas that they can get better. Um, um, but yes, so what I'll do is I'll not share any brands, but I'll share the general best practices. When you get data that is not good, it is a gift. And so the first thing I would say is everything we do, we allow the franchisee to be anonymous if they choose to. If they share their name, it's even better because it does allow you to bring up their or help them with their, their specific challenges or feedback. But 
The first thing I say is don't take this personally. I think that especially if it's a founder led brand, it's really hard to ask for that feedback and to hear it. Mm -hmm. So obviously I want to grow my business. I would love every brand to survey their franchisees with us. But if you're not going to do anything with the information, you're wasting your franchisees time. You're wasting your time. It's not worth it. Right. But if you're invested, you can take that information and allow that third-party data to help align and drive your team on what will make the most impact for their franchisees. This is third-party collected information that you can use and go down and say, what are our biggest opportunities to help better support our franchisees? And a lot of times I say, take the information and put it into two buckets. This is going to take actual time and money and changes in our system to make, or this is a communication and, and an alignment issue. So it really is just going granular and not taking that information. If you can have the, the worst scores in every category, you can't fix that in 12 months. Right. So the idea is what will make the biggest impact? Where are my wins that I can commit to my franchisees? I can do something and they can see, oh, this was worth my time. They're actually using this to drive their initiatives for the next year. So I think that's the way that the brands really tackle it. And you start seeing scores move. And it's so exciting when they work really hard and they get on the awards list for the first time. It's such a celebratory moment for their team. A lot of franchisors will tie these scores into their the way that they uh, measure or comp their staff, or they'll use it to align their operations and their development staff. And it becomes really powerful that your franchisees see that their success or their feedback is helping to drive how their team is paid or reviewed. And a couple of the things that you can do, obviously, through the power of statistics is to let them know if you have to work on all of these things, here are the couple that would make the most difference the earliest. So yes. get on this. You can help them prioritize again, based on the power of statistics, which is a love of mine. So, so I can see that, um, you know what, that's really great to hear. And one of the things when I would do a franchisee survey is I would say, if we're going to ask it, we better expect to act on it because nothing will frustrate people more than to be surveyed and nothing happens with the data. Yes. Or they don't hear what's happening with the data. Right. <laughs> you have to communicate that as yes. well. Yes. Do you help your franchisors understand how to share the data? Yes. So we provide uh, different tips on the best way to use it internally with the team or to present it to the franchisees. And Kathy, I will also say that we work with brands once they have 10 franchisees or more, gotcha. but we, we share our questions on our standard survey with anybody. We'll share them with anybody, even if they're not working with us because they're good questions that you can act on. And because our, our standard question set was designed to be what do candidates want to know before they buy into a brand? So whether you're brick and mortar or whether your services, a person looking at your brand is going to want to know about your leadership team, about your training and support, about your marketing, about your financial opportunity. So we're doing these kind of general topics so that the franchisor doesn't just get their data, they get context. How are you comparing in those scores to the benchmark we've created in our space? So I think that helps them, but also too, we do give them ways to communicate it out with the franchisee and with candidates as well. And I was going to ask you, and you just mentioned it, if you had benchmarks that help people understand where they fall. So you provide that as well. Yes. So we do an overall benchmark and then we also have it by sectors. So like if you're a food franchisor, you really want to be compared to other food because that is such a unique business model to run. It's not like running a service-based business or a business with a van. So you want to look at that data set differently. That makes total sense. What 
do you think some of the best franchisors do to, and we're going to talk about your awards in a moment, but what do you think some of the best franchisors do to really make their franchisees happy with them? Besides obviously being profitable, but outside yeah. of that. <laughs> um, I think that they think of their franchisees and they treat them as partners. They do not treat them as a child or as a, I am the knower of all things and you're going to execute my vision. And being very clear at what are the things that the franchisor is responsible for, they are responsible for building the bigger brand and protecting the brand in all markets. And what is the franchisee responsible for? And how do we work together so that the franchisee feels comfortable giving me information of what's happening in their market and their business that can help me make broader business decisions? There's an easy tendency for franchisees as they get older in their brand to think that they know better than their franchisor or to not follow the playbook the way that they did when they first started. And that can be dangerous. It can be helpful for the franchisor to, to have that relationship where the franchisee is communicating when they're going off book or allowing some room for them. Here's what you could kind of customize in your market and here's what you really can't and here's why. Mm -hmm. So I think great franchisors explain a little bit more of the why decisions are made or have that kind of collaborative relationship with franchisees. And there's a, a little bit more of a persuasion to the way that you make changes to your model or you ask them to do things rather than mandating it. Which is why I have firsthand experience as well as I've read so many case studies, these franchise advisory councils really make a big difference in these brands. Absolutely. Because you're able to listen, influence, franchisees influence back. But to be a franchisee, you have to be willing to follow some rules. And so versus being a true maverick entrepreneur. Yes. So what I always tell every candidate I'm talking to is if you're going into this, follow the playbook. It's it's why you're buying into the franchise brand. So at least two years. And then the other, I always say is have more money than you think you need. Oh, I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that. Have more money than you think you need. Isn't yes. that true? Yes. Oh my gosh. It, that always seems to be the case. Both pieces are great advice. So tell us a little bit about your awards. How do franchisors earn some of your top awards? We do research all year long. So a franchisor, if they have 10 franchisees, they're invited to participate in our research. We offer a free version of our survey because we want our awards to be based truly on franchisee satisfaction. The awards piece is just built on those standard questions I mentioned that we ask of everybody. So it's an even playing field. Uh, and then we look at a few other things in there. We look at the participation rate of the data. We look at the age of the data. So we're looking at a, um, a 12 month period is what we like in our research awards, but we'll allow it to go to 18 months, knowing that some changes take longer, some systems need to push out that survey date. So the fresher the data, the higher the weight in that scoring that we look at. And then we look at the FDD to see if there's high litigation or turnover. And we give the franchisor the opportunity to kind of address it if we have any questions, but it's really and truly based on that feedback we get from franchisees. And we do our overall 200, we release in January. And then throughout the year, we're looking at different pockets of content, like a food report we do every year, like the top franchises for women, a low cost opportunity. So it's all built on the same data. We're just looking at it in different ways to figure out who's doing the best work in that space that we happen to be researching at the time. Well, I've looked at some of that. That's all available on your website. And it's so fascinating to review. There have been a lot of new emerging franchisors coming into the marketplace. Have you seen any trends there on what people are starting up? If you can think it, it's being started up. Um, so that's definitely what I would say. What I think is the most appealing to people as we see 
this shift that's come from the pandemic, we're seeing a lot more around that personal services or that health and wellness space come up. Um, and I think it makes sense. People want to take care of themselves and, and they want something that they're passionate about doing. So that health and wellness, I think we're seeing that the, um, the, in the food space, especially the smoothie concepts, like the clean juice, the smoothie Kings. And, and again, that also goes to people are very, very busy, but also still focused on what they're putting in their bodies or their families. So I think everything in that space we're seeing, and then a lot still just continues to be around the senior care, the non-medical senior care space, because we have an aging population. Uh, and there's more people that don't have families that are taking care of them, or they don't want to leave the, the town that they're in. We don't have families all in the same community the way that they were 50 years ago. You're right. I've seen a lot of that as well as like pet services. Oh, as, we all love our pets, right? Don't we know? And some of my favorite are the cleanup services. I mean, yes. it just shows you where, boy, we've come to the age of really being, being pampered when we have yes. someone clean up our yard. So we've had a lot of that as well as I've seen a lot of the cleaning, sanitizing commercial buildings, as well as homes um, with the pandemic. So I think- Absolutely. Franchising has just flourished. There's so much opportunity. And I'm looking at our time. I can't believe we're running close. I feel like I could ask you a million questions on, on your data and franchising in general. But if I were to ask you, what do you think right now are one or two things that franchisors could do to really solidify their relationship with their franchisees? What would that be? Well, ask them for feedback is number one. But I think the, the the number one thing this year, and it goes back to our original conversation, is franchisors need to focus on helping their franchisees staff. And I think it makes some franchisors very nervous because of joint employer concerns 100%. and because of NLRB. But I think that you need to find ways to help them. And we're seeing franchisors doing that. We're seeing them create a lot more of toolkits that your franchisees can opt into using. They're not mandated to use. And this is where our work and getting employee feedback is coming in, is that if anyone attended the IFA this year, culture was the hot topic everywhere. It will help your business grow or it will kill it. And that applies to your franchisees and the culture in their business as well. And I don't think a lot of franchisees are as focused on creating a positive culture in the workforce as much as franchisors are. And so how can you teach them to get feedback from their employees and use that to create a space that people want to work in? When your employees leave you, they are still your brand ambassador or your brand breaker. So how you treat people when they're with you will haunt you or help you for the next 10 or 20 years. So take care of your people and teach your franchisees how to take care of their people because it will help you find that next hire or make that next hire easier. And you know, Michelle, you said something so critical in that many franchisors are concerned about getting too involved in a joint employer. And that's understandable. However, the word you said, opt-in. So opt in. providing best practices, providing tools that again are optional, that will help your brands Plus, it will also, if they're optional, it's not really a joint employer concern. So that's one way to do that. And many of these brands have their own company-owned units and have been able to do just that. That is very sage advice. And the people issue is not going away. Yeah. No, and it becomes even more and more aggressive. And, you know, I always would tell my managers, I don't really think somebody's going across the street for an extra dime an hour or even a dollar an hour. A culture makes a big difference on how they're treated. So I'm really glad you brought that up. So you have been involved in so much within your tenure at FBR and in the franchise world, and you've been very involved um, in the Women's Network 
at the IFA, actually the Women's Committee. And then of course, they're establishing networks all around the country, but you've been very involved in that. You have a blog. I've read some of those. They're just fascinating. And now you've agreed to be on our board at the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence, which I really appreciate. What are some suggestions that you have for others who want to get involved? Well, first is I would say just raise your hand and reach out. A lot of people need help. And so I think if you just offer yourself up, how I got involved was I love the leadership conference that the Women's Franchise Committee puts on every year at the IFA. And I just reached out to the person that was putting it on that year, uh, Marianne O'Connell, to just offer feedback as an attendee. I'm very passionate in getting more women to just understand that there's opportunity in franchising as a supplier, as a franchisee, or working for a franchisor. Because when I started 17 years ago, it was there weren't a lot of women. And so it became a passion of mine to help network all of these because when I started, I didn't even have a child yet. And then when I had a child trying to run a business and raise a human that's happy and healthy was hard and it was hard to travel. So just finding those people that were like me and leaning on them meant so much to me to get me through those difficult times. And you said it too, in the beginning, franchising is all about relationships and the relationships that I've built through this network are lifelong friends. And these are people that I'm so proud to be part of their lives and that they're part of mine. When I started, I was very closed off. I did my job and I went home and I didn't make those opportunities. And then my now best friend, Paul Pickett, who's a franchisor kind of challenged me and said, you know, you, you need to make these relationships and put yourself out there. And so I did. And it was the best advice I'd gotten. Don't separate your work and your personal life anymore. It's all one. If you love what you do, if you love people, just introduce yourself, reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to connect people with opportunities that they have. And it's a passion of mine to create more diversity in franchising. So, and that's not just people of color and women, We need to involve younger people and put them on stage and get their thoughts about our industry and our space. We need to get new people up and and involved in the conversations because that's how we all learn and how we all get better. So not seeing the same people at every event, that's what I'm focused on now. and, um, And I'll continue to do that. If you have something to say and you have people to say it to, just do it. That's wonderful. And actually in my class yesterday with my students, I actually said to them, raise your hand. Exactly what you said. Raise your hand, offer to do more. That's how you're going to get ahead. So thanks for that. (laughs) Well, you've done a lot, Michelle. And as we close down, two last questions. First of all, what are you most proud of in your career? I think I'm most proud that I took the leap and left a very stable well-paying job to go work for Eric. Um, I took a huge pay cut. I took a huge risk. My mom actually tried to talk me out of it because I just was so secure in my space. And I think that that's the most proud part that I just did it. And I, I don't know what drove me to do it, but I did it. And I would say the same thing too, is that I'm proud that I supported my husband to leave a very nice technical job to start a brewery. It has been the hardest thing he's ever done. I know there's nothing else he'd rather do, but I think we need to think about as a spouse or a partner for someone, just supporting them and what they want to do to make them happy. It's not always easy. And it's not always, uh, it's not always going to be a, a better paycheck than where you're at now, but I am proud that I did it. And I'm proud that I supported him in making that decision for himself too, because it's scary. And if you have people cheering you on, I think it, it gets less scary. You are so right. That, that, is so great. We didn't even have time to talk about that 
brewery. But the one last question is anything you wish you had known before you started in this world of franchising? No. So my first day I met Eric at the airport and went to an event. I had not worked a day in the office and to walk into the franchise space and just have everyone tell me how lovely Eric was, how, I mean, he had just started the company. They didn't even know what he was doing there. Everyone in franchising wants to help everyone. The suppliers in franchising are there to help their customers. They know what's happening across different landscapes. And um, as franchisors or franchisees, you know your brand, but it's hard for you to have kind of perspective on what's happening out there. So if you have great partners that are helping you on the supplier side, ask them for help. Everybody wants to help everyone be successful. So there's nothing I wish I'd known. It all just was so welcoming to me. I'm thrilled with my journey in franchising. Wonderful. Well, we are too. And we're so glad to have you with us at our center. And we'll hear more from you in the future on some on some data. Thank you so much, Michelle, for your time today. Thank you for having me. Then thank you for teaching more people that there's opportunities in franchising. There sure are. Franchise You is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yum cgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise You.